Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Uh, it is the end of June. Half of 2019 has flown past. And if you're a regular listener, you know that I started off the year with a lot of ambition, a lot of gold, things goals, things I was going to do as far as sales, way I was retooling my business. And so I've been thinking as we're getting to the end of the quarter, how am I at the halfway part, halfway point? And uh, some things are good, and I always could be doing better. So, uh, you know, I really have put a focus this year on sales and really getting uh, ways to grow the reputation and the brand of my speaking business. You know, for 10 years, I did this and all the business came from word of mouth. And I can't complain because I grew year over year over year, but you can't really control word of mouth unto itself. So at the start of 2019, I made a decision that I was going to add a few areas to the focus of my business. So obviously, I still rely heavily on word of mouth. Most of the clients who hire me to speak inside their company at sales kickoffs and other team meetings or people who call me to be the master of ceremonies or the opening keynote speaker at a large association event, they call me because they saw me speak at a conference or they listen to this podcast and so they know who I am or someone they know recommended me directly to them saying, this is the person who you need to hire. But as I said, word of mouth unto itself uh, isn't a smart business plan. I needed to do some things to, to change that up. So I created a four-legged stool for my business. And the second leg was outbound sales. And so I hired somebody who is helping me. We're uh, working on a project that is a year-long focus. The great news is, is he's sold enough business to pay for himself for the whole year. So uh, that was a good maneuver. He's not costing me money. Uh, he's landed a couple of great gigs and we have some other cool things happening. So the outbound sales part of my business is ramping up and probably something that I should have put into my business plan years ago. Uh, the other area, the third leg stool is findability, uh, which includes search engine optimization and my social media. And I've really upped the take of what I'm doing there. I've upped what I'm doing with video, uh, both uh, in the blog posts that I write and on LinkedIn. And I have upped my overall participation uh, on blogging so that I can really get more people to find me when they're searching for the topics that I speak about. And I'm starting to see some results for that. So that has me feeling pretty optimistic. And then the third leg of the stool is getting back to the basics of networking. So I started this career as a speaker teaching people how do we connect in a great gadget crazy world? And I didn't fall into that by accident. Uh, when I was in sales and marketing, one of the reasons I was very successful in my career is I was really active in connecting with people. And the way I became a speaker is people came to me and said, you're really good at this. Could you come and talk to our group about how it is you network? Uh, because this is something that people have always struggled with. I think if you look back throughout the ages, the reality is all opportunities come from people. And yet, not everybody is really good at going out, finding how to connect with the right type of people. So it was 2004 when I began writing my first book. And my first book came out in 2005, and it's called Some Assembly Required – how to Make, Grow, and Keep Your Business Relationships. And we've released that book over the years in three different 
additions. Uh, and part of that is, is that uh, we've learned a lot about, you know, writing books and selling books. And some of the things we did in the first edition weren't necessarily exactly uh, perfect. So we redesigned the cover, we added some stuff to it, we stylized the inside. But then a few years ago, we redid the content because networking has changed over the years. And as I myself have started to get back into sort of face-to-face -face networking to really connect with people as a way to grow my business, uh, I realized that things continue to change. So that speech that I've given for so long, I went back in the last few months and I've retooled it. I've sort of taken my, the meat of my like 10 years of teaching people how to connect with people. And I've changed up the message a little bit because we're in a world where there is new networking. I mean, if you think about it, my original book came out in 2005. Now, what was going on in 2005? Well, first of all, Facebook had only started like a year before. And in fact, it wasn't even until 2006 that the people who were out of college could even get onto Facebook. So, you know, Facebook wasn't even around. Twitter didn't start until 2006. Instagram, shoot, that didn't come around until 2010. Uh, YouTube started the same year that I wrote my book, 2005. And LinkedIn, while it started in 2002, it didn't go mainstream for another five or 10 years, five years after that. So all of these tools that we sort of associate with how you build your reputation, how you build your brand, how you network, how you stay in touch with people, they didn't even exist. And the iPhone was still two years from being released. So we didn't even have that whole connectivity to mobile that we have now. So yeah, in the past 14 years, the world has changed drastically. And my presentation has had to change with it, both in the style of how I present, but also in the message that I bring to people. So I've spent a lot of time this year getting back out there, joining some local groups in my community, attending large live conferences. This summer, I'm actually going to attend the uh, American Society of Association Executives uh, annual conference. Now, I speak a lot. Uh, in the association world. And so I'm excited about it. Now, I've never been to this particular conference. I've been to some of the other uh, meetings, World PCMA and MPI's National Conference, but I've never been to a ASAE's conference. I've been to their Great Ideas event two or three times. In fact, I spoke at it and I've presented for other people in sort of the association world, but I'm not one of the speakers at this conference. And yet I'm really just going to network. I'm really just going to participate because I really believe that we can't just do everything from a distance. Sometimes we have to show up and be present and you don't have to be on stage uh, as a speaker in order to gain value from being part of something like this. So I'm really excited because I'm going to get back to my roots. I'm going to go out and just participate. I'm going to listen. I'm going to shake hands. I'm just going to meet people. I'm not going to be there to sell. I'm just going to be there to see who's there and what matters to people. So this fourth leg of my stool has really been getting myself back engaged into the world of networking. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is sort of what I call the new networking. Because you see, when I wrote my first book in 2005, the oldest of the millennials were just joining the workforce. Now you fast forward to today, and they're probably the most dominant demographic in the world of work is probably those people who fall into that millennial age gap. They are certainly the largest group of people out there, but the older ones are starting to take all those levels of all those positions of leadership, and they're the ones making the decisions. And it's not that they're different than other generations. I think, I think that's sort of a, uh, something that we've been sold, that the millennials, they're so different. I actually believe that people 
are still the same. People are people. We're, we're motivated by many of the same things. However, the technology that we grew up with and the experiences that we've had are definitely widely different based on when we grew up. And that affects how we connect and how we relate and how we want to keep in touch with people. And so I'm actually really excited about all of this. I'm really excited about the whole concept of what I'm now teaching when I take the stage around this whole idea of the new networking, because here's a little secret. It's really not that new. It's really just looking at the old and approaching it through new, fresh eyes. So if you're over 50, you're not obsolete. And if you're under 25, the world's not all about you. We're still people. And the new networking is just a combination of everything that has always existed. So that, that has me really, really excited. And I think that everybody in business, whether you're an entrepreneur or you work for a company, I think we have to get back to that basics, that human-to-human -human connection, that feeling that we know that all opportunities in life come from people. So I picked up the original copy of Some Assembly Required, How to Make, Grow, and Keep Your Business Relationships, because I wanted to make sure that I was keeping in my presentation the stuff that was so relevant, but not basing it all on content that I wrote 14 years ago. And what I realized when I went through the book is so much of it is still true. In fact, I recommend you go to Amazon, get a copy of Some Assembly Required, get the third edition because it's uh, the most up-to-date of all of them. However, I'm really excited about how it really does fit into everything that I'm experiencing as I'm getting out there and getting involved in today's world. So before I go through sort of the, the 10 little points I saw in the book that I think are still relevant and why, uh, I need to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that a lot of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So as I leafed through my original book and I really looked for what was it that I said that I think is so relevant still today, it started off with the fact that people do business with people that they know, they like, and they trust. And I think that is still as true today in 2019 as it was 14 years ago. But here's the thing. I believe that the definition of the word no, K-N-O-W, I think that it's changed drastically in the few years. I think that now we all think, hmm, I know them because we follow them online. It used to be getting to know somebody really was a process. It took time. You had to invest time. You had to spend time with people. You had to be face-to-face -face with them or on the phone. You had to have conversations. You had to listen. You had to share experiences. Now we just look at someone's LinkedIn profile, read their Twitter feed, and maybe listen to them on a podcast, and we think, oh, I know her. Well, we know of them. So I think that definition of how we consider the fact that we have business connections and how we know people, I think that has changed. And it used to be in that process of time to get to know somebody, like and trust came along. Now we know people, but we don't necessarily know if we like them or we trust them, at least not deeply, not instinctually. And so I think today in 2019, when we really get to that point where we have a relationship where we really know somebody to the point that we like them and we trust them. And here's a sideline. 
you're not going to like and trust everybody who you meet. And, and you can't expect that. However, when you do build a relationship that is built on knowing someone, liking them and trusting them, I think it's more valuable than it's been at any time in history because I think it's harder to get to. There's so much noise out there that we don't have enough time to invest in large groups of people. So it's a smaller group of people who we're really getting to know, like, and trust. And I think that's really important. The second thing that I said in the book that st stood out to me was that networking is not an act. I called the second chapter the act of networking. But here's the thing. Networking is not, it's not an action. It's not something that we go and do. It's not a verb. You don't go networking. It's a lifestyle. If you really want to, if you really want to succeed because of relationships, you have to have it just ingrained into who you are. You have to be with people in order to get to know them. You want to serve them. Networking is not just, hey, I need something, so I'm going to go meet that person and get it. There's a lot of takers out there who think that if they just show up, they're going to be able to take and they're not going to have to invest back the other way. But I don't think that, that networking is an action-based thing like that. I think it's just an ongoing part of who you are. I think that if you do it right, if you invest in people and if you show up, I don't think that it's an act. I think it's just a genuine part of who you are. All right. And, and the third thing that I noticed when I was in my book is I talked about how do you architect your plan? Because here's the thing. You can't network by accident. You have to make it a priority. You have to have a plan of what it is that you're going to accomplish. You have to actually have thought through, why am I networking? What is it that I want to accomplish? Because it takes a lot of time. It really is something that you have to do. You have to know the reasons why you want to be one of those people who is engaged into your community. Because a lot of people don't want to do that. And it's okay. And you have to understand and respect that this whole idea of, of being engaged and involved with other people and showing up in your community, it's not for everybody. And that's, that's just the way it is. It's totally okay. But you have to architect your plan so that you're there. And then you have to remember that you're always on. If you choose to be out in public, if you choose to be somebody who is known, then people are always watching you. And that has to be something that you're very clear with. The fourth thing is, is how do you really build relationships? And I think that has changed a lot. I think that you can't just imagine that you're going to stand up, show up, shake someone's hand and disappear because I think it is so much noisier today. That's why I think in today's world, you have to go in with a servant's heart more than you ever did before. I've always taught people that you need to show up at events and show up to participate, not by walking in thinking, what can I get from this group? But you have to go in thinking, what can I give to somebody? I try, I don't always do this, but I try when I go into a networking function to think who's the one person I can meet where I can help them. I can connect them with someone else. I can connect the dots or I can somehow promote them. What can I do to help someone else? If I can find one person at an event that I can help, then that event is a success. And the truth of the matter is if I do that, eventually it comes back around because people notice who are the people who are trying to help others, and those are the people they want to build relationships with. You can't build relationships with people if they're not interested in building relationships with you. And in this noisy world, people are less interested in meeting other people than I think they were 15 years ago. I think the time has come where the only way they're going to be interested in you is if they see that you've got that giver's heart, that giver's soul. So the next thing in there is what I called sort of the tricks of the trade. 
And that had to do with things like business cards and sending handwritten notes. And I think those things are very true today. However, I think you have to add into that your LinkedIn. Yeah, there's the other social media, and I think that's all important. But if you're a grown-up with a job, I think the most important tool for you today is LinkedIn. And I just was counseling an attorney who wanted me to take a look at his LinkedIn, and the first thing I told him was he didn't have a summary. He didn't have anything. He just immediately listed all the jobs that he's had, but he didn't have a summary of who he is and what he does so well. So I think the most important trick of the trade, the most important tool that you can have today is a well-written LinkedIn profile. And so I challenge all of you, when you finish listening to this podcast, go and look at your LinkedIn. Is it, is it intriguing? Is it enticing? Do you say something interesting? Is there something on there that people are going to quote about you? So if you go and look at my page, and go ahead and look at mine. Mine's not a perfect example for all of you because what I do for a living as a speaker is a lot different than if you're an accountant or a lawyer or an engineer, and you probably don't need to be as wordy or uh, phrase things in the way that I do. But I was just on a podcast uh, where I was the guest right before I started recording this, and it made me chuckle because the host introduced me by quoting something from my LinkedIn. I start off talking about the first job that I ever had and why that was important and what I had learned from that job that I use today. And it wasn't the first time someone had pulled that out and quoted it back to me. Oftentimes when I'm on podcasts, people ask me about that first job working as a busboy at a restaurant called The Big Yellow House in Southern California. And that comes up a lot. Sometimes people pull up the fact that they remember eating there as a kid. Other people come up with the fact that you know they too worked as a busboy. So I have something in my LinkedIn that resonates with people that they quote back to me. And that's what I ask you. Is there something in your uh, summary that someone's going to read that when they run into you and meet you in person, they're going to say, oh, I noticed this about you or I read this about you. If you don't have a summary or you don't have anything interesting, then you're not utilizing your LinkedIn the best that you can. So the next thing that I, I sort of wanted to focus on that I saw on there was uh, that you have to be creative. If you want to build a network, you can't just show up like everybody else. You have to do something a little different. So five years ago, I started this podcast and it was different. Not everybody, you know, podcasts have since gotten extremely popular. But at the time I started mine, it, it wasn't weird. It wasn't unique. It wasn't, you know, that rare. But most of the people in my business, most speakers did not have a podcast. So having this podcast and being able to talk to audiences about it, it was something that was unique and creative. And I was interviewing people and I was bringing information. Early on, it led me to a lot of business. Now, it still does. There's still some of you who listen who do bring me into your companies. But early on, it was a creative outlet that allowed me to stand out from the crowd because most people five years ago when I started the show still hadn't really understood the power that podcasts were going to have. So you've got to find ways that you can be doing things that are unique and creative. These days, one of the things that really stands out to people is the fact that I took up stand-up comedy at 51 years old. Now, I'm not great at it. There's no way I'm getting a Netflix special. However, I am learning so much from every week going out to open mic nights, from having been a featured comic in a couple of shows. I'm learning so many things about timing, about playfulness, about how to use the spoken word, but also it's something that most of my peers don't do. And so meeting planners are asking me about it because they're seeing that on my social media. They're seeing it on my LinkedIn and they're asking me about the stand-up comedy. So again, it's something that's just a little creative. If you want to build a network, you have to find ways to stand out. What is it in your life 
that is unique, that stands out from the crowd. The next thing that I wanted to bring up is I wrote about how you have to keep in touch. And I think whether it was 14 years ago or whether it's today, if you want to build a network, you have to own the follow-up. And the follow-up isn't just what do you do after you meet somebody. The follow-up is what do you do forever? Now, there's no excuse today to be invisible and to disappear because we have all of these amazing social media tools. We have the use of email. We have text. There are so many ways that you can keep relationships alive. But here's the thing in the new, new networking is that you absolutely have to own the relationship because the give and take of the old way that we networked isn't there because people are just overwhelmed. Think about this. 14 years ago, if I called somebody and left them a voicemail, they called me back. Fast forward to today, nobody calls me back. If I sent an email to somebody back then, people would reply. Nowadays, if they don't know me and they don't see a purpose, they just hit delete, oftentimes without ever reading it. Therefore, if you want to build relationships, you have to be the person who owns that follow-up and make sure that you stay top of mind with people until the relationship reaches that level where it is a true connection, where it's a true friendship. But it's harder than ever to get to that level. Another point that came out of the book was supporting others. And here's the thing. I don't think that has ever changed. I think that was as true back then as it is now. Are you networking solely to get things for yourself? Or are you committed to helping other people? Are you supporting the people in your network? When someone you know has a kid looking for a job, are you saying, send the, send the resume? And are you farming that out to people? Or are you rolling your eyes thinking, I'm too busy to help. I don't even know that kid. If you're there to support others along the way, people are going to be there to support you. Think back to the recession of 2009. All of these people lost their jobs and suddenly started showing up at networking events and calling people they hadn't talked to in three, four, five, six, or seven years. And I remember people saying, God, I haven't talked to these people in forever. When I needed them, they ignored my call. And now they're looking for a job and they're calling me. That's not the person you want to be. You want to be the person who just works it into your lifestyle. You're there to support people. Take a little bit of joy in the success of someone else instead of measuring everybody else's success against yours, like somehow it's a competition. And the last thing that I noticed in, in my book when I was reviewing it to do this podcast and to rewrite my, my keynote, that was never stop learning. I think that's true today. I don't think that has changed at all. I think the people who provide the most value to the network are the people who are willing to, to be honest about what they know and what they don't know and are willing to take a class or listen to a podcast or read a book. Because I think, I think the more you learn, the more relevant you're going to be at all stages of your career. So that was kind of my, my, my trip down memory lane as I looked at what have I been teaching. The good news is very little of it has changed. Many things have just, you know, morphed in how we do them, but the underlying message still remains the same. But here are like five things that I've added under this world of, of new networking that I think is really focused for today. So these are my five tips that add on to what I wrote 14 years ago. And that is number one, be relevant in your community. What does relevant mean? It means that you have to be a contributor. You have to be somebody who is involved and engaged and is noticed for being there. Now, part of that is goes back to what I was talking about, about showing up, about supporting others. But you also have to find a way to contribute. Now, what's your community? Your community could be a geographic community. It could be Austin, Texas or Chicago, Illinois, or maybe it's a vertical in the industry like healthcare or law. 
but are you contributing to the people in your community? Are you sharing of your information? Are you somebody who is willing to help rise all the boats as the tide rises? So you have to be relevant, which means you have to be engaged. If you're not engaged, if you're invisible, if you're the best kept secret in your community, you're not taking advantage of everything that you can be. And if things turn around and suddenly you need people, it's going to be hard to build it. Harvey McKay wrote a book 15 years ago called, 16 years ago called Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. That's the best advice in networking I've ever heard. I always joke that his book was 300 pages long. It could have been empty blank white pages because that's what it's all about. In order to be relevant, you have to be serving people all the way along. You can't just show up when you're in need. My number two tip is remember that it's quality relationships over quantity. It's not a numbers game. It's not how many business cards can you connect. It's how can you build really quality relationships with people who are going to care about you. Just having a thousand or 2000 or 3000 people who are connected to you on LinkedIn doesn't mean anything because the people who aren't quality relationships, they're not going to go out of their way to help you when you are in your hour of need. However, the people that you have quality relationships with, most of them will be there to help you. So remember, it's not about knowing everybody. It's about making sure that you're there for the right number of people. Now, that's going to be different for each of you. People ask me all the time when I talk about this quality over quantity piece is, what is my quality number? Well, for some people, that might be five. And for some people, it might be 50. Now, I don't know that it can be bigger than that. I don't know that you could have 50 or more people who you have quality relationships with. But I think when I look around at the people I admire the most, it's somewhere between 15 to 20 people who they have really invested in building long-term and mutually beneficial relationships with those people. And then there's other people who come in at maybe a secondary level that could get larger than that. But for most people, do you have a dozen or more relationships that are really quality? You're engaged in their life. You're, they're engaged in yours. Number three, and I mentioned this before, and that is that people are always judging you. And so everything you do online or in person matters. Your reputation is always being surveyed by the people around you. You only get one chance to make a first impression, but the truth is, is that people are always looking at you for second, third, fourth, fifth. Now, if they have a negative opinion of you, it takes a long time to improve it. However, they're always watching. So once you're on someone's radar, especially because now they're following you in your stream, they're seeing, they can go look you up at any time, they are watching you. So you are always under the microscope. So don't forget that. Remember that people are always watching, and that is more important now than it has ever been in history. Number four, the number four piece of advice I have in today's world is choose people. You know, it's so easy when you're sitting in a group to stare at your phone. We see it all the time. I remember going to live conferences 10 and 15 years ago, and you'd go into a breakout session and you'd sit there and someone would sit like five chairs away. And while you're waiting for more people to come in, one person would turn to the other and say, hey, you know, how are you enjoying the conference? Where are you from? And a conversation would ensue. And then people would move over a couple chairs and get closer. And then more people would come in and maybe join the conversation. And then after the speaker was done, they'd walk out together and have more conversation. Now, you know what happens at live events? People walk in, they're the first one in the room, they take out their phone, they stare at it, the next person sits five chairs away, pulls out their phone, nobody even looks up. They don't glance at each other, nobody says, how are you enjoying the conference, where are you from? So conversations don't happen. 
when you are at live events, when you are around other humans, sure, you have to check your phone. I know it. We all do. We have things going on. But when you're with people, try to find that balance. Put the phone away and choose people, even if it's just for 15 minutes at a time. Don't be the person who is constantly staring at their phone because you're going to miss the chance. You're going to be like ships who cross in the night. You're going to miss the chance to see the people around you. And I think in today's world, it is so important to be that person who makes eye contact, smiles, and says hello because it happens so much less. And then the last thing, the last thing I would say is to remember that there's not online networking and in-person networking. They're not separate things. There's just networking. The new networking isn't social media and the old networking is going to a live event. No, there is no old way or new way. There's just the way. And things change. Generations change. The tools we have to communicate change. But here's the thing. It's not a competition between in-person and online. If you don't have both of them working together, you're not going to achieve everything that you can. So that's what I'm talking about today. That's how my message has changed. And I just kind of wanted to share it on today's podcast because I think it's really important to everyone in entrepreneurship or anyone who wants to start a company or anyone who has a job. I think we have to go back to that roots of remembering that all opportunities in life come from people. Find a way to make sure you're connecting with the right people and building relationships that are give and take that matter and making sure that you're part of a community. Because human beings, even in a world with all these likes, links, shares, and follows, we are still wired to be part of a community. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Everybody wants to belong in some format. And so that's my message for today. Find your tribe. Find your people. And make sure that you're engaged and that you're there and that you're engaging with them, whether you're online or you're in person. It's no different. It's about choosing people. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We're going to be back in a couple of days uh, with a new show. We've got an interview coming out on Thursday, another one with just me on Tuesday. And then on the 4th of July, we have our monthly co-produced show with the Austin Technology Council. And so you want to turn in and hear that one because that's always a special episode the first Thursday of every month. So thank you so much for tuning in. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience... Why would we even have this podcast? Uh, The idea is is that I want to bring you ideas because I think success leaves clues. Please reach out to me if you're a fan of the show. If you like the show, uh, let me know how you found it. Most people tell me they found it through word of mouth. So if you really like the show, go tell some other people. You can follow us online on all the social medias. I'm at Tom Singer. We also have at Cool Podcast on Twitter. And you can find me directly at Tom at TomSinger.com. That's my email. And don't forget, it's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. All right, we're going to be back in a couple of days, but in the meantime, go out there and try something new. And while you're doing it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.